Welcome to Tell Me About Your Pain. My name is Alan Gordon. I'm the director of the Pain Psychology Center. And I'm Alon Ziv. As always, we're excited to be doing this podcast in partnership with Curable. Curable is an app for treating chronic pain, and they have tons of great exercises and techniques to help you on your path to healing. You can check them out at curablehealth.com. Today on the show, we're going to be doing something a little different. Right. In our last episode, we asked listeners to send us their stories about what has been helpful for them, either from the podcast or from our book, The Way Out. Available wherever books are sold. <laughs> I, I have to say that every time. I can't help myself. I know it's your signature move. So today we're going to hear from you. We're going to play as many clips as we can, and we really appreciate your help in co-creating our final episode with us. Yes. Thank you all so much for being on this journey with us and for contributing these great clips for our last episode. It's definitely bittersweet, but we're not just going to disappear into the ether. Uh, we're still around. In fact, for all the psychotherapists out there, Alan and his group are going to be doing a training in his model, pain reprocessing therapy. Uh, it starts the last week of February and it's a four week training. Right. We're trying to train as many therapists as we can in this model because of all the chronic pain patients out there. So if you're a therapist or you know of any therapists who might be interested, you can sign up or learn more at painreprocessingtherapy.com. And in addition, we'll have some other ideas of how you can keep in touch at the end of the episode. So now let's get to the clips. In all honesty, we weren't sure what kind of stories you all would send us. So in these first few submissions, there was one clear theme in the journeys toward recovery, realizing that the pain was not coming from structural injury in the body, but rather learned neural pathways in the brain. Hi, my name is Anthony, and I found the Curable app last June, and it's been an absolute transformation for me. I've had this pain for about 11 to 12 years. It's a sort of stabbing, burning, uh, twitching pain that starts uh, right below my rib cage on the right-hand side, and it goes all the way out into my right foot, which twitches a lot. My whole right side basically gets affected by it when it's really bad. And I listen to the podcast and the episode on diagnosing whether it's neuroplastic pain or not just rang so many bells. So much of it just made sense. For me, the most important takeaway was that this is a pattern that's developed and there is no structural issue. I'd, I'd had plenty of tests and all sorts of things done beforehand, and none of those really got rid of the problem in any sort of consistent way. And for the first time in... I'd say, yeah, the last 12 years, I actually feel really hopeful that I can eventually be permanently pain-free. And above all, just having this attitude of compassion and kindness towards myself, which Alan and Alon talk about in the podcast, has made such a big difference. And using the Curable app and the meditations and their tools and exercises, have been so, so helpful. And I'm so grateful for all the work that they've done and uh, for the Curable app. So thank you. Hi, this is Paige from Duxbury, Massachusetts. And I had a great story to tell you about my foot. So I had foot pain for years and years. 
And I actually worked with somebody at the Pain Psychology Center. And the one thing that we did together that I think really, really made the pain um, so much better was that she would not allow me to wear this foot brace that I thought was sort of helping me to control the pain at night. So I would always put this foot brace on at night. And what she said was it was sort of telling my brain that there was something wrong with my foot. And so I was really, really, it was really hard to do to not wear the foot brace. And some nights I would um, take it off and then I'd put it right back on. But I don't wear it now. And it actually lowered my pain a lot because I think my brain was thinking, well, there's this brace on my foot. And so, you know, there must be something wrong with the foot. And so then I made another connection the other night. One of the things that I love to do at night is to watch TV and have my husband sort of rub the spot on my foot that hurts. And it doesn't hurt as much anymore, but it still feels really good. And we decided about a month ago that that probably wasn't a great idea for the same reason as the foot brace wasn't a good idea, because I was sort of telling my brain there's something wrong with my foot when it's really that something's wrong with my brain. And this is less exciting because it means that I don't get my foot rubbed by my husband, but the pain has gone down even further. So I just wanted to share that story and thank you for all you do. I love that. Well, Paige, I want you to know that you have the official Allen and Alon stamp of approval to bring back the foot rubs. <laughs> yeah, you know, people ask all the time if they can still get massages. Yes, you have full permission to do things that make you feel good. Right. As long as your masseuse doesn't reinforce a structural perspective, like if they're saying things like, hey, you're super tight or this feels all naughty in here, you know, that can be counterproductive. Naughty, K-N-O-T-T-Y, not N-A-U-G-H-T-Y, right? That would be weird if your masseuse was <laughs> saying that your foot was all naughty, like Santa Claus. It's probably happened. <laughs> um so that's right. You don't want to do things that reinforce that there's a physical problem with your body. But like Anthony said, it's really great to treat yourself with love and compassion. So you can definitely do things that help you feel good. Yeah. And I think focusing on the feeling is, is really important here. You know, that's like the true litmus test. If, if the foot rub or the massage is, is making you feel scared, like, oh, there's something really wrong and that's why I need this, then that's not helpful. If it's making you feel good, you know, that's great. If it's making you feel safe, that's what we want. You know, as, as we've discussed many times, the fundamental idea behind all of pain reprocessing therapy is reducing the fear around the pain, reducing the fear around the body. And that's actually the topic of our next few clips. Good transition. Thanks. Hi, I'm Jo. I have chronic neck pain and widespread pain. Pretty much everything hurts, but I feel a thousand times better already. Just your podcast and The Way Out book really has helped me to believe that I'll get better. And that belief in itself is just completely life-changing. It means that every time I have a flare, which, you know, <laughs> is still quite frequently, I just don't feel afraid anymore. I feel like I know it's only temporary now. And that was one of the techniques to say, you know, hand on your heart, 
you're okay, you're safe, this isn't forever. And I remember an episode where a woman said that she just didn't even know what it would feel like to be without pain. And that resonated with me so much. I remember crying listening to that because I think it's so inconceivable a life without pain when you've been in pain for years and years and years. And just having the belief that you will get better is sometimes all that it takes to make the pain no longer so scary and not such a burden, such a weight, because it's not forever. You can, you can feel it and not be afraid. And I'm just eternally grateful for all the work you're doing. And I just wanted to say good luck to anyone listening. I think we need each other and we need to talk about openly about the struggle and how hard it is. And yeah, I'm, I'm just really grateful for all you're doing. Thank you very much. My name is Kelly, and I live in Toronto, Canada, and I wanted to share my biggest takeaway from the Tell Me About Your Pain podcast. A while back, Alan said to one of the callers, you don't have a pain problem, you have a preoccupation problem, and that has stuck with me ever since. Like many people who struggle with neural circuit pain or neuroplastic pain, you know, I have difficulty accepting that my pain is neural circuit pain because I've been diagnosed with all of these conditions and my imaging shows some scary things. But one thing I have never doubted is that I have a preoccupation problem. I am one of those people that throws my entire self into work or school or relationships or hobbies or whatever it may be. And I know that I give 150 million percent to all of those things. Very similarly, like many of us, I've done that into trying to heal, which we know is counterproductive as well. So when Alan said that, I was like, yes, I do definitely have a preoccupation problem. And that's really helped me kind of frame my recovery and thinking about, okay, I have all of this intellectual energy. Right now it's going towards pain. I'm obsessing about it all the time. How can I redirect that? How can I create safety in my body? So I want to say thank you to Alan and Alon and Christy and all of the guests on the podcast for an absolutely terrific resource for all of those struggling um, with neural circuit pain. And uh, I know many of us are surely on our way to the other side as a result of the podcast and all of the great work that Curable does. So thank you, everyone. I'm going to be over here reminding myself that I have a preoccupation problem, not necessarily a pain problem. Take care. Hello, my name is Laura, and I have had chronic back pain for over a decade before I started going down this path and discovering the great work that you guys are doing. So what I learned from the podcast, the book, and from my sessions with Daniela from the Pain Psychology Center is mainly to lower the stakes and not freak out. I really resonate with what you said about having, you know, a type A personality and wanting to problem solve. And so I used to let the fear escalate my pain and I would catastrophize about the future let my thoughts spiral into what terrible things are going to happen in my life because of the back pain or the setback. And I would be constantly problem solving. And so what I learned from Daniela, from my wonderful sessions with her, from the podcast and from the book, is to stay calm, to use somatic tracking and pay attention to the pain with less fear and worry. I learned to be nicer to myself and that I don't always have to problem solve just let myself rest when needed 
And that has made a huge difference in my life. It's about two years later now, and I am completely pain-free. I have very, very few instances of setbacks where I might have some minor pain on occasion, but when it does come, I know exactly what to do. I'm prepared, I'm equipped, and I'm thankful to you guys for the podcast, the book, and to Daniela for helping me get to this point. The most important thing that I've been able to achieve with all of this is I used to be really afraid of getting pregnant because I thought that I wouldn't be able to carry a baby. I wouldn't be able to be pregnant because of the back pain that would come on with it. I'm about six months pregnant at this point and I have no pain. I'm actually feeling physically better than I did when I wasn't pregnant in terms of my back and I'm just really grateful to all of you guys for that and to the Pain Psychology Center. So I appreciate it. I wish you lots of luck and I hope that you will start a different podcast or put out new books and things like that because they are really helpful and I hope that more people can benefit from your great work. Thank you. You know, we put out this podcast and we put out the book and theoretically, you know, that this is helping people or maybe it's helping people, but hearing directly from people just how it's impacted them, it's kind of amazing. I I could, it's funny, I was going to say something very similar. You know, I actually got a little emotional listening to that last batch of clips because it's like, I don't know, I love hearing all the different voices and especially the different accents. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it's like you know, chronic pain is a global problem. And there's people all over the world who don't know each other, who are, who are having the same struggle. And it's really inspiring, you know, to hear them talk about it and talk about, you know, their successes and where they are in the process. And, you know, I was already kind of feeling emotional and then Laura's like, oh, and I'm pregnant too. You know, I was like, yeah. oh, it, it was really got the to kid Alon. <laughs> We can only hope. Uh, so, Laura, congratulations. Uh, you know, we're we're so happy for you about your pain and about uh, your baby. It's really, really great. And, you know, as, as we heard in the clips, all three of them, even though they're at different stages of the process uh, and have different symptoms and all that, it sounds like they're all doing a good job of reducing their fear. Yeah. And, you know, when I originally thought about this, I thought, okay, fear is the fuel for the pain. And over time, it kind of expanded for me where it's not really just about fear. It's about preoccupation in general. It's about any kind of negative emotional state, that frustration, that fear, that, you know, tendency to constantly be in problem solving mode. All of that kind of perseveration is the thing that keeps the pain alive. And so, you know, oftentimes we try to get rid of the pain with so much intensity or we're constantly obsessing about it or checking in, seeing if it's there. Is it better or is it worse than it was yesterday? It's so tempting to go down that path when we're dealing with the pain, but that's the very thing that fuels the pain. So, you know, as, as some of the callers were actually talking about, being able to get to the point where they separate from that preoccupation, that negative emotion around the pain, as difficult as it is, is the way to cut off the fuel source. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. I, I I love everything you just said. And I think, 
you know, I think a lot of our listeners can relate to that perseveration that, and, and like you said, the constant checking in, the constant testing, you know, I think testing is a really common experience for people with chronic pain where they're like, is it there? Is it not there? Is it getting worse? Is it getting better? Is it, is it about to start? You know, and just, you just, you're just focusing on it so much and with so much intensity and, you know, that, that fuels it, that keeps it going. Exactly. And uh, I also thought it was interesting, even though that section was was about fear, uh, you know, a couple of the callers were also talking about perfectionism and intensity. You know, I loved, I think it was Kelly who said, uh, you know, that she gives 150 million percent. Yeah, you know, it's, it's so funny because sometimes people go to 110 percent and it's so indicative of that intensity. But she didn't just go 110, she went 150. But even that wasn't enough. So she needed to add a million on it. I'm like, I can so relate to that. I think I think we all can, you know, and, and we've talked before about how there are certain personality types that are prone to chronic pain. And definitely the 150 million percent personality type, I think, is is one of those things. And, you know, it's it's funny because in in most aspects of life, that those traits are super helpful. You know, in school, if you're given 150 million percent, you're getting straight A's. It, at work, if you're if you're giving 150 million percent, you're getting that promotion. And so I think a lot of times that attitude gets reinforced uh, and we we do it more and more. And then when it comes to chronic pain, it can be counterproductive. Exactly. And that actually brings us to our next set of clips, which are about the energy that people bring to these techniques. G'day, my name's Andre. I'm a 41-year-old Australian from Brisbane. I've had back pain since I was about 25 years old. And even though I was, I'd previously managed it relatively well, so I thought about six months ago, I had an episode that was so intense that I was unable to keep working. And over the following couple of weeks, my pain just went from bad to worse. And I entered like a pain, fear, activity avoidance vortex that resulted in me essentially becoming relegated to my little apartment. I couldn't sit down for more than a moment without pain. Even going to the toilet was a struggle. I couldn't walk to the end of the street. I certainly couldn't make it to the supermarket. So I had to get my groceries delivered and I couldn't clean my house. And even though my partner was very happy to come over and do the vacuum cleaning or clean the bathroom, to me, it was like an admission that I had lost my independence. And at 41, it was really depressing and I felt hopeless. Uh, a couple of months ago, I started reading a bit more broadly and I think I had a paradigm shift. And I think central to that paradigm shift was your book, The Way Out, and also using the Curable app and listening to your podcast. There were, there were two things that were fundamental to my recovery. I think the most, the single most important thing was getting over the fear and recognizing that the pain was not actually a message from my body that it was getting more and more damaged and would just lead to a lifetime of decrepitude, but rather that it was just my brain and my nerves sending me a, a mixed up message of danger where there was none. And once I was able to understand that, and I think more importantly, once I was able to observe that in my body and prove that to myself, then that was kind of that was half the journey and my, my pain started getting better from that point almost immediately the second thing that that i found really effective was the somatic tracking i've always really enjoyed meditation even though i'm really bad at it <laughs> um, but um i 
I got to the point where I was actually looking forward to episodes of pain so that I could just try to observe them as playfully as possible. And that's what I did. And I tried to be as outcome independent as possible, even though I was secretly outcome dependent because I really wanted the pain to go away. <laughs> but yesterday I went for my first bike ride in six months. At the weekend, I went for my first bushwalk in six months. And a few days prior to that, I sat through a three hour film and I had no pain whatsoever. So I wanted to thank you guys. I have got my life back. I tell everyone I meet about your system. It's completely changed the way I feel about my life and my it's given me so much hope and I'm just deeply, deeply grateful. So thank you, thank you, thank you. My name is Oren and I've been suffering with foot pain for over three years. I had an x-ray, MRI, ultrasound, an EMG, all negative. I had seen three orthopedic doctors, a podiatrist, a neurologist, and a rheumatologist all diagnosed me with chronic plantar fasciitis, despite the negative test results. At its worst, it was difficult for me to even walk a few steps without a flare-up. I tried all the plantar fasciitis techniques to resolve my pain. Name a few, rest, ice, heat, custom orthotics, night splint, stretching, physical therapy, acupuncture. I was in the camp boot for a month, something called fascial counterstrain. None of these things helped. Then I found the podcast and Curable, and things have gotten much better. The thing that struck the biggest chord with me was the episode, I'm trying hard to get rid of my pain and it isn't working. As you can probably tell, I'm pretty intense and, and conscientious about everything. And all throughout our culture, we're taught that the harder you work, the more successful you'll be. And if you're in a tough situation, then grit and hard work can get you out. And for me, I worked really hard on resolving my pain and I was not getting better. And I would feel guilty and afraid of giving up. This podcast taught me that there's another framework to approaching things. It's not just what you do, but your mental state while you do it. Oh man, more great accents. This, I loved, I loved those clips and, um, I loved Andre, you know, his, his story was, was really inspiring. And I also thought he just had some really great turns of phrase, you know, when he talked about how he disappeared into a pain, fear, activity, avoidance vortex, <laughs> you know, it was, it was, it's such a, it's like a funny phrase, but at the same time, it's so relatable to, you know, anyone who's had chronic pain where you, you really do feel like you've been sucked into this vortex and it's, and it's so hard to get out. And, uh, and he had another great one towards the end where he, he talked about being scared of a lifetime of decrepitude. Oh, that's right. And he kind of laughed as he said it, you know, he, he knows it's a funny phrase, but at the same time, that's a very real fear. Yeah. You know, I, I think that gets to the heart of what so many chronic pain sufferers are afraid of, you know, that I I'm feeling this pain now and I'm going to feel it forever. You right. know, that this thing is never gonna, never gonna let go of its hold on me. And I think that contributes to that intensity that we've been talking about, you know, it's very hard to not be intense when you're worried about a lifetime of decrepitude. And that's why so many chronic pain sufferers approach this with this, you know, very forceful, regimented, I'm going to do this and this and this. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that for a lot of people, 
the pain is really bad, but what's even worse than the pain is the fear that the pain is never going to go away or the feeling like I'm still going to be feeling this way 50 years from now. And that's one of the reasons why somatic tracking can be tricky is because people really want the pain to be gone. In fact, sometimes people say to me, you know, I'm trying somatic tracking, but it isn't working. But, you know, if you're doing somatic tracking while trying to get rid of the pain or having an ulterior motive, wanting it to go away or doing it with a sense of intensity, that actually isn't somatic tracking. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. And, and in fact, I remember when you were coming up with the name somatic tracking and it was, it was very thoughtful. You know, you chose the word tracking exactly because of the, you know, the, those connotations, you know, you didn't call it somatic hunting, you didn't right. call it somatic attacking or somatic forcing, you know, really you're just tracking. I do like somatic attacking. It has that internal rhyming <laughs> that I love. That's um, true. Yeah. You know, it actually took me a while to learn to be able to do somatic tracking with that authentic curiosity where you're actually just exploring it and not trying to get rid of it or doing it with a sense of intensity. It's tricky, but that's part of how you teach your brain that it's safe. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Andre used the word playful, which I think is such a great word. Maybe we should call it somatic playing. You know, because it really is, it's the opposite of intensity when you're, when you're playing, you're not, you're not forcing it. You're not trying to crush it. You're not trying to push it away from you. You're just, just being playful. You're just tracking it. Right. And you know what? It's okay. If it takes a while to figure out exactly how to do somatic tracking, you just need to trust the process. And that's the topic of our final clip. Hey guys, it's Josie from Canada. Thank you so much for all of your life lessons on recovering from chronic pain. I like the phrase, trust the process. I say to myself when I'm having a pain flare or going down the rabbit hole of, will this ever get better? And all the things that Alan talks about and Alon talks about, <clears throat> I say, Trust the process, bro, because it will get better. It's just not an immediate overnight fix. Sorry, guys. It's not an, maybe for some people, but for, I think most people, you just keep doing the work. You know everything that you need to do. And at this point, just got to let go. And that's not easy to do. <laughs> but when you're in that moment of, ah, trust the process, bro. Just trust it. You know, I think trust the process was actually the biggest thing for me. It's so easy to lose faith or lose trust that you can get better, especially when the pain is really bad. And in the book, we talk a lot about corrective experiences and setbacks. And if the pain comes on really strongly and you're actually able to stave off going down that rabbit hole of fear and despair and terror, I think that's actually more valuable than having a corrective experience is not having a terrible setback with your mindset. And for me, at least, trust the process was, was the best way to do that, really reinforcing that to yourself when things are at their worst. Yeah, that makes sense. And although, I don't know, can we contact our publisher? Can we, can we change it to trust the process, bro? Because I really... <laughs> 
<laughs> I that was liked, a nice add-on. Yeah. yeah, I like Josie's version. Uh, but in all seriousness, I, I definitely agree with you. And, and I actually think that kind of ties back to what we were talking about in the previous section about the intensity. I think if you really believe in trust the process and you really embrace it, it can reduce some of the intensity because you know it's going to take time. This isn't an assignment that's due tomorrow. You know, this isn't an all-nighter. This is this is a gradual process of retraining your brain. And you don't have to be perfect. You know, in, in the book, we talk about minimizing setbacks, not eliminating setbacks, because it's not possible to eliminate setbacks completely. It's not possible to be perfect. But if you embrace, this is a process, it's going to take time. I'm going to do the best that I can, you know, throw a little self-compassion in there. I think it can help reduce that overall intensity and just make the techniques that much more effective. Mm, yeah. Perfectly said, bro. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, so wherever you are on your pain journey, I hope that you can trust the process. And I hope that this podcast and our book, The Way Out, available wherever books are sold, has been helpful to you. And I just want to say thank you to everyone, everyone who listened, everyone who called in, everyone who submitted clips. Just thank you so much for being a part of Tell Me About Your Pain. But like we said at the beginning of the podcast, we're not just going to be disappearing into the ether. That's right. Uh, you can follow Alan on Instagram for more advice and tips and techniques. You can follow him at Alan T. Gordon. That's at sign A-L-A-N-T-G-O-R-D-O-N. And as always, one final time, I want to thank our partners at Curable. They really made this whole podcast possible. Remember to check them out at curablehealth.com. I want to thank our amazing producer, Lori Poliski, who has been such an integral part of this whole process. And, you know, we always end by saying, we'll see you guys next time. Uh, we can't say that this time, but uh, it makes me think about my, my daughter went to this really great preschool where they really focused on social emotional stuff and ha helping the kids with their feelings. And when she graduated, they said, we don't say goodbye. We just say, we'll see you later. So that's what I'd like to say to everyone listening. We'll see you later. Hey, tell me about your pain listeners. This is Lori, the producer of the show. I'm the one pulling the strings in the background. Like, if Alan and Alon were the boy band in sync, I'm the puppeteer, you know, pulling them on the strings, though you never really see me. And yes, that cheesy 90s reference was in honor of the show. Alan, Alon, who don't know I'm recording this, you can fight over who's JT. Or Lance Bass, he might have that kind of unexpected allure. I've enjoyed growing this show with both of you, and thank you for all of those unexpected jokes during recording, and can't believe I'm saying this, but thank you for the many accidental mouth noises that made my job tedious in the editing room, but are incredibly entertaining. And you know which one of you I'm talking to. If you made it this far, you're probably a dedicated listener of the show. And before signing off, I wanted to take a chance to share one of the many impactful parts about working on this show for me. I've had back pain since I was 15 years old, and what has been incredible is talking to so many of you about your story. Thank you to everyone who's reached out, participated in the podcast, wrote us an email, talked to me on the phone, some of you multiple times. As someone who knows what it's like to have chronic pain, I really appreciate the vulnerability that it takes 
to share something that isn't always fun to talk about. So with that, thanks again to all of you. Thank you to Curable. It's been a pleasure. We'll see you later.